Yay, you're here! I'm Lisa Whittle, and welcome to the Jesus Over Everything interview show, affectionately known as Joe's Friday Friend, where everyone I sit down and talk with is either an old or a new friend of mine. A big thanks to Dwell, my partner, that amazing audio Bible app that helps you consume the Word in a fresh way through listening. I love my daily verse that's read to me every morning by Felix, my favorite voice, which you can customize, by the way. Head to the show notes to click the link or lisawhittle.com forward slash dwell for 20% off just the rest of this month friends and thank you dwell okay i'm excited to bring you a guest a lot of you have been asking for for a very long time crystal evans hurst is on joe today and we talk about a lot of things both being pks you know i had to ask about that but a lot more as well this speaker homeschooling mom and the author of her latest book 28 days of prayer brought some sage wisdom about grief adapting to new ways of life, and the bridge between panic and peace. I loved getting to talk with her, and I trust you'll love our conversation, too. Here we go with Crystal Evans Hurst. So I like to give the listeners what they want around here, Crystal, and you are one of my most requested guests. Did you know that? Get out. Yeah, you are. A lot of people are like, I, I want you to have Crystal Evans Hurst on here. So we're making dreams come true is what we're doing today. <laughs> Girl, that is crazy. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. I honestly thought that we had done an interview before, but this is the first time you've been on Joe, right? It's the first time. Yes. I think you've been on my podcast. That's and so right. maybe that's why I'm thinking that it's happened before. And yeah. maybe it just hasn't happened on your podcast. But right. we'll fix, we're fixing that today. we're fixing it today and here's the other thing and and maybe this is why I thought oh I know I've had Crystal on is because and I have this happen to me sometimes and maybe you do too but it's just with certain people and you're one of them people will say you two need to be friends or you're you and Crystal you've not hung out before Mm -hmm. like you know they say that and you're one of those people I think it's for a few reasons, maybe with us. This is at least what I've what I've gathered. It's because our mutual friends see us maybe similar in personality. Um, I get the impression that you're pretty sort of blunt, and that's kind of how I uh, go through life. And you know, we do similar things, and we're both PKs, so maybe that's why i don't know i don't know if you've had that happen but i've definitely had that happen with you as well so oh yeah people are like for sure do you know lisa whittle do you know lisa whittle it's like yes i do know lisa whittle (laughs) we do but we have not had dinner together before and i feel like that's something that needs to happen although i know it's harder now but um we're gonna make that happen. We definitely yeah. are. Okay. A meal, a meal changes things. A meal does. We can get and see eyes, and then we can, we can get into each other's business or whatever. I don't know. I just, I just like to do that. Well, let's talk about being a PK for a minute. Mm-hmm. What have you loved, and what has been a challenge? Because it's not all roses. Well, um, well, the funny thing is, I think that if you ask that same question to each one of the four Evans kids, you might get a different answer. Yeah, for sure. Um, so for me, what has been great and what has been not so great? Um, I think that the great thing is that, it, see, I don't know that I would attribute this to being a PK as much as I would attribute this to being my pastor daddy's daughter. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Which is that I... Um, 
I love church. I love church. Mm. I love the local church. I love people. I love coming home. I, um, of course, travel and speak everywhere, but there's nothing that I love more than talking to my people. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's just, um, there's a, there's a beauty in being planted because there are women who have known me since I was a teenager. Um, there's one particular woman who sends me cards. I've got a card in the mail from her at least every other week. And, um, knowing that she knows me, sees me is for me. It is incredible. Mm. So I have loved, um, especially as time has progressed um, I have loved um, being being planted and so many things about local church has fed into what I've done with my life connections that I've been able to make with people first jobs I mean you know just whatever so um, being the pastor's daughter has allowed me to learn to love people because I think you either they're either going to drive you up a wall or you learn to love them that's the truth. And um and so that's 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 one thing and, and I also love the fact that being the pastor's daughter I meant we were always at church. Church is yeah. church is life. Um the thing that has not been so great, I feel in this season of my life almost burdened by wanting by the same thing I'm just discussing with people. All these people that I know, all these people that I care about, all these people that are a part of my life story and my life thread because they've been sitting in the same area of the church building for the last 20 years. And I feel burdened by trying to be to keep up with everybody. Yeah, because I feel there's that I know you even if we don't really know you, but I've I've. I've been around you for so long. I feel obligated in the best way to know that your mother died. And if I don't know, then it's, I feel horrible. You know yeah. what I mean? And so I, yeah. I feel the weight mm-hmm. of caring and the, the, the weight of caring is, is spread thin when there's so many people that you care about. Yeah. And so I think that that burden of being, um, you know, in a pastor's family is that you do, um, have this opportunity to love and care for people. And it can be a lot when you actually do. And when, when life is happening as people live. So, mm. so right now that's kind of my thing is like, I really want to serve well and I really want to make sure I'm loving on people. And sometimes I just don't feel like I can keep up. <laughs> you know, that's a really good way though, to say it. It's like a wonderful burden to have, you know, and I'm sure yeah. Yeah. in your situation being somewhere so long and being so planted there for so long, it's it's on a different level. Because I, I feel um, a different, I guess it's 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 a different kind of weightiness because I'm removed from where maybe I grew up, where my father was pastored. And I still have such a love for folks. So my heart is burdened for them when I hear of situations, you know, through Facebook or the grapevine or whatever mm-hmm. of, of happening in their family. But you're still there. And I, so something sparked in me when you when you were talking about what you loved about it and you were talking about uh, folks knowing you for so long is there no intimidation at all that folks knew you from when you were a little girl growing up or whatever there's no intimidation at all that they knew you back when because I have to tell you when I go back to like hometown I think I almost want to give a disclaimer like I'm not the person I was do you know what I mean so these people must be gracious to let you grow up because we make mistakes when we grow up we do and I do feel that um like I am I really trying to teach you the Bible because you probably <laughs> yeah. taught me in Sunday school kind of thing yeah. yeah but I think the posture that I've learned to take is um 
I assume you know. I assume you've already studied it. I assume that I'm not in a position to tell you something you were not already aware of. However, what I am in the position to do um, is to share what God is teaching me. And even though you may have read this passage a million times, this is the first time I get to tell you what God is teaching me. When I'm leading um, some of the ministry things that I'm uh, I'm doing, I think my job is to say I I you know in my in my head anyway. So I can work myself up for it is that, you know, I, I have a job to do. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm over. It doesn't mean that I'm beyond. It doesn't mean that I'm more. It just means I have a job to do. And while I know that you have been here and done a million different things, volunteer, you know, my job here is caring, is caring for you. And that's okay. I think we can see it like when you have a parent that gets older and the, and the table start to turn where they took care of you and now you're taking care of them. It's not that they're any less and it's not that you're any more. It's that she, seasons have changed. And then there's just a, and there's a handoff and a cycle of life that just is. So instead of me feeling like I have to be something different, I am who I am. I'm not something more, but I'm also not less. It's just, there was a season for you to lead in these areas. And then there's a season for me to care for you. You know, and so I think about that that way because that allows me to say, you know, they didn't step down from doing whatever they needed to do because th- there was somebody 20 years ahead of them. This was the, and I, I literally have to tell myself, Crystal, you're closer to 50 than you are to 40. Like you're grown. You know what I mean? Like you're grown. <laughs> I was just, we were talking with our team yesterday because we're in the process of um, hiring a couple of people. And I believe that when you, when you, when chemistry matters, that I'm not, not the only person who, who says, let's do it. You know, I believe that there has to be chemistry. And I, and I was telling uh, one of the girls yesterday, I said, listen, there used to be a time when I was just grateful for anybody that would take my little Peasley money. You know, it's just like, just come, I will show you. And I still am grateful, but I also now I'm like, you know what? I'm almost 50. It's okay if I say, you know what? Somebody should come and um, join our team who actually knows something that I don't have to teach them every little thing. Like I'm kind of growing into my, when I tell myself, girl, you are in your late forties. I, that 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 helps me to buck up because I remember looking at women who were in their late forties and they were grown. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So I have to just tell myself, girl, you're grown. You're yeah, grown. So I you need this. to you need to um, be respectful, be honoring to those people who have known you and then they're twenty or thirty years your senior. But you are grown, so you can smile, you can do all the things, you can make a decision. They don't have to like it, but you can love and care for people and not apologize for that because you're grown. It's okay. <laughs> I feel this so much and I have to tell you it's one of the things I love about being in this age bracket because I think it it does give you such a, a different strength and a different perspective and this is a great perspective I think to have what you've been talking about for folks who maybe feel intimidated, for women who feel intimidated more specifically, uh, maybe they're younger and they're like, I don't know what I could possibly teach someone, you know, or or whatever, if they're maybe teaching to women that are a bit older than them. And this is this is an issue that I've I've had women talk to me about. And I think what you just said is gold. So that's so great. I'd love to also talk to you for just a minute about ministry, career in general, specifically pivoting in this world that we're in, these kind of strange times. We've got ministry leaders, speakers, authors, moms who've suddenly turned into teachers, college kids having to get used to a new way. What are you learning about adaptation and still doing the work well? Well, here's the thing. What life is, is change. 
living life requires change. And so I think if we can understand that adaptation is what we're supposed to do, it's not this, it's not an interruption. It's not unexpected. It is not um, unfair. It is what life requires. And so you don't always get to determine how life requires you to shift, change, adapt, but you do get to meet that option to adapt with um, a can-do attitude. I get to, like, that's one of the things that I have to keep telling myself sometimes when life is throwing me things that I don't want to do. Um, I get to, I, I, I get this opportunity to be in a season where my mom, um, you know, had cancer and the whole time, of course, this is not what we wanted to do, but I had to keep telling myself, like, you know, when you say, why me or why us? Well, why not? You know what I mean? Like who, who else is it going to be? But what I, what I got to say is, okay, this is what life has thrown me. So I get to, I get to walk with my mom through this season and I get to walk through it with hope and I get to give myself something to remember. And I get to say, I did this well. And I get to say that this was part of my story. And that for the last nine months of her life, I spent more time with her than I ever had. It was horrible that I did it because she had cancer, but I got the opportunity to be present and not to have her suddenly take away from me, taken away from me where I didn't say the last thing that I wanted to say. Everything that I wanted to say to her, I got to say. So you have to look at everything that you um, are in life that you don't want to be and find your, I get to. Okay. So I got a teenage kid who is, you know, and I, and I feel like I do kids well. I mean, I've been a mom since I was 19, so I just know what to do with kids. And so, but I got one who I just am like, God, I don't get it. I don't get what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how this is supposed to work. It's very frustrating because the whole reason why I homeschool is to like set you up for success and you're working against me, you know? Okay. But I get to give my son something to look back on. When he looks back and realizes that he was ornery and difficult, he's going to also look back and I get to give him a memory of a mom that was consistently supportive, of a mom that said, nope, there are some boundaries, but listen, I am for you. A mom who was willing to get out um, when she sent them outside to get out with them and get in the creek and go fishing with them. I don't want to do that, but I get to do that and create legacy that will last long after these teenage mood swings have. I think we have to say that when we are stuck in a line somewhere waiting, you know, to get our computers fixed or waiting to get groceries and we get to say, I get to be here. So let me look around who's in front of me or behind me in line that I get to meet today. What is this opportunity that I get to have growth? Oh, I get to read this magazine while I stand in line with this person who had three grocery carts in front of me. I think when you say life is change, life is adaptation. And every opportunity that's unexpected that you didn't ask for that you don't like also presents an I get to moment. It'll change the way you live. That's another incredible perspective, really and truly. I think that is um, that's going to shift something in someone's spirit today. That is so good and so needed, especially for this crazy time. I'll tell you that much. You brought up your mom, uh, Lois Evans, who went to heaven last December. I'm actually writing or just just finished writing a chapter in my new book about making peace with life when it brings loss. And one thing I, I read in a book recently was that the loss of a child is a loss of your future. A loss of a spouse is a loss of your p- present. And the loss of a parent is a loss of your past. 
I've lost my father too. He went to heaven three years ago. Do you agree that it's a loss of your past in a way when you lose a parent? And if so, how so? Maybe even for you. They hold your story. My mother said when her dad passed, he was 91. Um, She was, let's see here. She was 57. She said, I feel like an orphan. She still had her mom. And then when her mom died, um, she was 65. And she said, I just feel like a part of me is no more. They remember things about your life that you will never remember because your memory doesn't hold those. There's their memory hold, held those for you. So you have no recourse if there's something about your life you don't remember that they that they saw with their adult brain and locked in on. If you have a question, they're the ones who hold the answers. And so when they're gone, if a question comes up, then you've lost your ability to ask. I mean, even though my dad is still here and I'm so grateful, um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a guy's guy. If I say, dad, you know, what year did y'all, he's like, I don't, I don't know. My mother is the one that held all the details. You know, she was a really great memory keeper and, um, tradition maker. And so we have photo albums coming out the wazoo. Um, but if I was going to look at a photo and I wanted to say, Mom, you were my age then. How did you feel about, I can't get that answer from her. (laughs) So my ability to tap into that area of my life is gone. Um, You know, unless she left me a note or wrote something down in a photo journal. I mean, the gift that my parents have given me, honestly, is that both of them are authors. (laughs) And so there is this, it's so funny. I picked, I have not, I'm going to tell you a secret. I have not read any book from any of my family members. Not a one. Not <laughs> Sounds a one. like me and my family. <laughs> I tried. I tried. I picked up one of my dad's books. I couldn't do it because his books are largely produced from sermons that he preaches. So I've heard them and I've heard them all of my life multiple times. So when I pick up the book, it's like, I, you know, it's like if you knew the ending to the story, it's like, you know, you watch a movie, it's different when you already know what's going to happen. That's how I feel reading his books. Like I already know, I know what illustration he's going to make. I already know. So it's hard because I, I know them so well and I know where they're going. But I have to tell you, I'm going to, you know, read my mother's book, um, Seasons of a Woman's Life, for a couple of reasons. One, because I want to read it. Two, because she um, sanctioned the creation of a Bible study off of it a year before she passed. And and the Bible study is written, but of course there's no video because she spent the whole last year ill. But my sister and I are going to provide the video for that Bible study. So I'm going to read it, one, because we got to do a Bible study, but also because, because more than ever, even though I already know what she would say, I want to hear it again. And I picked it up the other day, just to a page and was reading this illustration and she never mentions my name, but I know it's me. So it gives me this window of hearing her thoughts and her heart from a different perspective, which is why I'm just a huge proponent of journaling. Even if you burn some of them, leave your family, some of them to, to, to know where you were, what you were doing, or the writing that you, that you put in your books as you read or the commentary, you know, people get, you know, if you're a scrapbooker, you get all weirded out about making beautiful pages. I would go to these scrapbook retreats and these women would have glitter and, and blow dryers and, you know, these special glues and all these things. And this, and I'm sitting there feeling intimidated. And one of the ladies would say to me, 
It's not about it's not about the decoration. It's about the story. Your family's not going to care whether you put glitter on that page, whether there was yarn done in a very intricate design. They're not going to care if the photo was, you know, HD quality. They just want to know who was in the photo. Where were you? What were you doing? Why did you decide to capture this moment? How old was I? Oh, is this the thing we did every year? Because that's the story. So, you know, however you do that, you know, I would encourage, we all have these photos on our phones. One of the best gifts my mother gave to me is, um, because she took pictures and for a minute I freaked out. I got her phone. I have her phone right now in my purse. It's all the two-factor authentication that my dad needs. It's like, <laughs> yes, dad, here's the number. But the thing is, she left things in order. Her brother died a few years before he was single. It was unexpected. She came back and she said she started cleaning this massive clean out. She was like, I never want y'all to be in that position where you're having to figure out what's what, what's important, what, you know, where the important papers are, um, the things that matter. And it was just like, she just started this clean out. She wasn't sick. So I was looking for the photos. And when I went in her phone, she had no photos before November. I was like, what happened? Where are all the photos? Oh my God. Then I realized in an iPhone, when you put your photos in a shared album, they don't take up any of your iCloud storage space. And so you can put them in there. And so she had been moving things from her on-phone album to her iCloud, her cloud-based album, and they're all organized. Wow. Sunsets, trips with my dad, um, Lois and Crystal, Lois and great grands, um, going to the lake. There's just album after album after album after album of the things she thought were worth remembering with little notes, with little comments where they were and what they were doing. So I don't have to wonder. So yes, when you lose your parent, you lose your past, but here's, 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 or a sense of it anyway, but here's the good thing. Most of the things that we are marked by monumentally, we do remember. We remember them because there was an emotional charge related to them, high joy or high pain, or because they were so consistent that they, they, they carved out a path of memory in our brains. I remember our family vacations because we went every August and we did the same drive. We went halfway, stopped in Cookville, Tennessee, stayed at the Holiday Inn, always ate breakfast at Shoney's. And then we got back in the car, drove the rest of the way to Baltimore. I mean, like I remember that, but not because I remember any one trip. That memory is a conglomeration of the 18 years of that drive that we did. And so the things that really marked us, we remember enough. And I think we have to say, that's okay. And remember this, that when you live, there are memories that you are creating for you. You are trying to create some things for your children. You're trying to create some things for your friends, but ultimately you're living your life. And I had to tell myself, there are things that I would love to know about my mother's life, but they weren't really necessarily for me to know. They were for her to live. And the stuff that was for me to know, I got. Mm, so good. Gosh, so good. You know, it's interesting. I've Since my dad went to heaven, I, I've, I've always wondered, I still have my mother. And actually, she sounds so much like your mom. It's it's crazy. I, uh, I've always wondered what the difference was when you lose a mom and you lose a dad. And I think you articulated it really well. I'm sure there are many differences. But one of the differences, I think, was the mom being the keeper of so many of the details and so many of the stories that it, it's different with the dad. And, th and there's a different feeling of loss when you lose a dad that carries a different weight and carries mm -hmm. a different feel. So um, that's that's really interesting. We had this other thing in common, actually, Crystal. We have both written books on prayer. Mm -hmm. 
This show was actually born out of a book that I wrote in 2017, Five Word Prayers. And that that's, I think, why I was on your show. Actually, we talked about mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. I wrote that while my father was dying. I realized in that time that God was not about word count when it came to prayer. And it really, it really meant a lot to me. But he wasn't about word count. He was about heart intent. Mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm. meant a lot to me because I didn't have a whole lot of words. And your new book, The 28-Day Prayer Journey, carries, I think, that same approachability, really helping take the intimidation out of prayer, because you just want people to pray. And that, and I love that. And you say prayer is the bridge between panic and peace. A lot of us are panicking right now, aren't we? Mm-hmm. We are, because we've never been here before, unless somebody is 120 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't remember a pandemic. So uh, we are all, we've never been here before. And I think we have to give ourselves grace for not knowing what to do because we don't know what to do. Right. And just like the 1929 stock market crash or the last pandemic in 1918, um, they didn't know what to do either, but they lived to tell about it. And that's what we're doing. We're crafting our story. So we just, there's no way out but through. <laughs> mm, that's no the truth. Goodness, that's the truth. Well, I mentioned that I've just written a chapter in my next book about loss. My dear friend's story is a large part of that chapter. She's faced a tremendous amount of loss in her life, and I'm not going to go into it right now. But two years ago, she had a large tragedy happen. And she, since then, she told me, she said, my prayers have been mostly groaning. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. real. That's real. What have you learned to be true, Crystal, about prayer, maybe from your own tough places? You know, I, basically that, that it's whatever you can get out, that the Holy Spirit can interpret it, that God can hear, that he knows what you mean when you don't have the words to explain it. The thing is that you keep coming to him. Jesus was sweating blood at the cross. Just are you sure there's not another way? I mean, it wasn't this full articulate prayer. It was like, can can I not do this? Do I have to do this? And I think if we understand that God created us, he knows the bone from our marrow. He, um, uh, he saw us before we were fully formed. He allowed us to be who we are. He allowed circumstances in our life that shaped us and marked us. And when we can't figure out exactly how to express it, he does not need our help. What he does want is our participation. He does want us to show up. He does want us to be a part of the conversation, even when we're stuttering over exactly what to say. He's totally capable of filling in the blanks. Mm. Gosh, that's so true. And I'm so relieved by that because I I don't feel articulate a lot of days. I mean, when we got on here this morning and when we prayed beforehand, I thought, I don't have it. You know, I just don't have it. I don't even have the words. But I'm just so grateful for a God who doesn't need that from us. He doesn't need us to be fancy. You know, I I think I gave up fancy a long time ago. Uh, I'm not very fancy at all. So are you up for a quick little true or false? Sure. Okay. This is just your opinion. This is, there's no traps here. This is just Crystal's opinion and Crystal's wisdom we want here. So, okay. True or false? You should pray a set amount of time every day. False. You have to pray and keep the lines of communication open, just like there's no set amount of times you would talk to the last guy you dated and were totally in love with. You were just mindful of the fact that you loved him, he loved you, and you wanted to talk to him as much as you could. But there was no checkboxing with that. Same way with Jesus. Love it. True or false, you have to clean up before you come to God. False. 
there's nothing that <laughs> cleaning up what <laughs> I mean he already knows I mean you're not hiding anything he's not yep. going to um, treat you any differently if you just come and you're honest and you're wanting uh, no just come he will help you with the cleanup process actually yeah exactly true or false prayer is a certain formula no, I think there are components to prayer, just like there are components to relationships. If you come to the, the person who you love and you only talk about your needs all the time, that is unbalanced. The same way with God. Is there a formula? Do you have to check the boxes? Does it have to go in a certain order? No, he's not um, that legalistic. What he does want is for you to be balanced. Every now and then you should say thanks, like any relationship. Every now and then you should say, I'm sorry. Every now and then you should say, hey, God, this is really, really what I want or what I need. And then a lot of the time you should say, but hey, no matter what I'm saying to you, what do you want? Because I'm here uh, to be all about you. And that would mark any good relationship. And that marks a good relationship with God, too. And you know what I learned, too, when I was writing the book, Five Word Prayers, Crystal, is, you know, prayer is a lot of listening as well, because I, you know, I think one of the things that I always thought was, you know, I need to be constantly talking right in, in the in the prayer process. And one of the things that I've realized, and I think a, a lot as I've gotten older, is there is a lot of listening that I need to do in my time with the Lord in our prayer time, sitting and saying and waiting you know, waiting on God to speak to my heart, sitting in the quiet after I've read the word, meditating on the word and letting it soak into my heart and then being quiet before I just start to talking because I can talk, you know, <laughs> but but waiting on him to speak to me as well. And I found that to be a really important part of prayer as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and that comes with stillness. I yeah. mean, you sit on the couch doing nothing, you know, I mean, Netflix and chill has all kinds of connotations right now. But <laughs> the reality is, if you're dating a guy, you want to get on the phone and talk about nothing. You're holding the phone. Then you watch a TV show together. And then if the pizza man rings his doorbell, you, you know, then you're like, who's at your door? He's like, oh, it's just a pizza man. Well, what did you get? I mean, there's just this open ended communication and you're just holding the phone. What if we could just say all throughout the day, the Holy Spirit lives in us. He's available not all, you know, at any time to hear what we have to say, he's holding the phone. The question is, are we, are we, you know, do we have our ears perked for what he's saying, what he's doing to be connected at all times? And the thing is, I just don't think we take advantage of that, that we have the opportunity to connect on an ongoing basis with the God of the universe who holds all the secrets, who knows all the things, and is just waiting for us to hold the phone with him. <laughs> mm, I love that so much. It reminds me of the, this book that I love, Secrets of the Secret Place yeah, by Bob Sorg. Yep. Isn't it so good? It's so good. It really just made my quiet time with the Lord come alive. Uh, it's just such a good book. We'll link that in the show notes as well. Of course, as well as your book, The Amazing 28-Day Prayer Journey, which is such a good book, Crystal. All right, fill in this blank for me, if you would. The time I most feel God's presence is. Mm, when I'm watching the sunrise or the sunset. There's something about nature and the consistency of that sun coming up and going down that reminds me that he's faithful. That reminds me I'm a blip in the marker of time uh, for a very big God who's doing very big things. And it reminds me to participate because my time is limited. And um, but he is uh, welcoming me to participate by being obedient and holding the phone, listening to his voice. And that big son reminds me to stay in tuned. <laughs> 
I love that. Well, this show is called, obviously, Jesus Over Everything. When I say Jesus Over Everything, what does that personally mean to you? (laughs) To keep things in perspective. Um, God is about his son. So there's a lot of things that I'm important that are important to me, things I want to do, vacations I want to take, friends I want to have meals with, goals that I want to achieve. But I need to keep everything in perspective and submitted to God's goal, which is the glory of his son. And if I'm participating in my relationship with God, then it should include me glorifying his son and everything that I want while God is uh, while he does take joy in us living and us being creative and us exercising dominion according to the Genesis mandate, it should all fall under this. But how does my son, what does my son get out of this though? Because the only reason why I saved you was because <laughs> I sent him as a sacrifice, my only son. And I want him to forever get the glory for the fact that we're connected. So I'm glad we're connected. Glad you're happy. Glad you have your goals. Now, how does my son get glory out of this? Because he's sacrificed a whole lot for you to even be able to talk to me. And I think that's the thing about perspective that matters. Hmm. All right, friend. Well, I can't believe we're at the very end. Goodness, this time has flown by and um, we'll have to have you back on Joe. But here is the last question. I ask it of every single guest. What is the last thing you'd say about Jesus if you could only say one more thing? there I think about Jesus with the Samaritan woman he's willing to go out of his way and just be there think about the woman who was being accused when he wrote in the sand and said whoever's without sin throw the first stone not a lot of words not a lot of hoopla just there I think about the disciples and how Jesus didn't venture very far from his hometown but he had such an impact on 12 men who ventured and went into all the earth to spread the good news because he chose for three years of public ministry to spend time with them and just be there. And if Jesus has an impact worldwide thousands of years later, yes, because he's God, but yes, because he was just there, then there's a beauty in me remembering that um, that model of living is a model to follow. And that by being there where God has placed me to do the things that I'm called to do for the time that I'm called to do them, that the impact um, that God wants me to have in my world can be made the same way. Just being there and doing in simple ways what God has asked me to do faithfully. Mm. Goodness, that's a word. That's a word there. I'll be thinking about that. I'll be thinking about sunsets and sunrises this has been a life-giving conversation thank you so much for crystal for coming on and uh, for our friendship i appreciate you i appreciate you thanks for having me lisa Thanks for listening to Jesus Over Everything with Lisa Whittle. If you like this show, hit that share button and share it on your social media so your friends and family can listen too. So grateful for your listen and for you sharing the love. You are how we bring more people into the Joe family.